I said, oh, I forgot my EpiPen. I need, I need that. And they said, oh, can't you just go without your happy pen for a minute? And I was like, it's not a happy pen. Definitely not happy when I'm using an EpiPen. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> you may be what you eat, but healthy has a different definition for everybody. From Food Equality Initiative, I'm Sophia Gillespie, and welcome to the Free From Podcast. On today's episode, we'll be discussing a relatively new form of treatment for food allergies, oral immunotherapy, or OIT for short. What is it? How does it work? Who is eligible for this treatment? We invited a nurse practitioner to tell us more, but first, let's hear from a food allergy mom. My name is Meg Noe. I am the Chief Marketing Officer at Allergy Amulet. We've developed um, a wearable consumer food allergen detection device. Um, But the most important part of my job is that I am a mom to two kids, one of which has uh, severe food allergies to peanuts and tree nuts. She was diagnosed eight and a half to nine years ago, and that's what kind of started me on my food allergy journey. At the time of having her first child, Meg followed the most up-to-date research and did not introduce peanuts or tree nuts to her child until she was older than one. Here's what happened. So when we first decided to give her nuts in kind of a controlled setting in our house, we gave her a granola bar that had peanut butter in it. And she took a bite and kind of got a little bit of a hacking cough, Um, but we didn't think anything of it. We just thought, oh, maybe she got a little bit stuck in her throat. You know, breathe a sigh of relief. She's not allergic to nuts, kind of move on. Um, And then about two weeks later, my mom gave her a dried cherry from a bag of a nut mix that had a bunch of tree nuts and peanuts in it. And immediately she got the same barking cough. And so that's kind of when we knew something was up. So uh, our pediatrician recommended we go to an allergist, fast forward a couple of weeks and some um, testing later, and she was diagnosed allergic to peanuts, all tree nuts, and at the time, sesame. Um, so it's been, like I said, about eight, eight and a half years since that time that we've been managing them. By the time her second child came around, the research had changed to encourage early introduction. Obviously, this was too late for her daughter. But Meg did not just leave it there. She did more research and found OIT as a potential treatment for food allergies. Her next task was to find an allergist who supported this treatment. We started going to a new allergist and establishing when she was probably two and a half. And at about three years old, which is really young, he brought up OIT to me. And I remember thinking, wow, I thought, you know, in a couple of years we'd be talking about that. Before we get too far into that story, what exactly is OIT? Let's meet Jody Schroba, a pediatric nurse practitioner from Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City who specializes in allergy. She's been in the field for 12 years and actually helped create the oral immunotherapy program at her hospital. Jody has written several articles articulating OIT, including for our very own Free From magazine. So thank you so much for coming on today's show. Well, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Before jumping into OIT, do you have any food allergies yourself or are you just in this field by happenstance? I do not have any food allergies. I know every, a lot of times with people that do food allergy actually say that they have food allergies. My first experience with an EpiPen um, was actually my college roommate and um, she had multiple food allergies and you know she whips out her EpiPen and at, at the time EpiPen was the only brand so I am using brand specific story here. Um, and she says, do you know what this is? And I said, no. And um, she's like, well, this is going to save my life. So I need you to know how to use it. And I was like, okay. I said, but 
we haven't had this chapter yet in school, so you're going to have to teach me. <laughs> I have a small funny story of when I was growing up, I like forgot my EpiPen one time and I was at camp and I told the, the leader, I said, oh, I forgot my EpiPen. I need, I need that. And they said, oh, can't you just go without your happy pen for a minute? And I was like, it's not a happy pen. Definitely not happy when I'm using an EpiPen. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> not happy. <laughs> Anyways, to get back on track, can you tell us in the most basic terms what OIT is? Oral immunotherapy um, is a form of desensitization. So in other words, um, we're exposing the body to very small increasing quantities of what they're allergic to and we're making the body to be less reactive. Now, um, allergen immunotherapy, which are allergy shots, most people are very familiar with, allergy shots have actually been around for more than a century. And um, again, we, we give people what they're allergic to in small increasing amounts to train their immune system to stop being reactive. Now, allergy shots, the difference between the two, um, one allergy shots is a shot, um, but we can actually cure some of their environmental allergies with oral immunotherapy. Um, you know, it, it is not a cure, but we're teaching that immune system to not be so reactive. So, um, it you know, it's going to allow some protection against those accidental exposures, those cross contaminations, um, the really poor product labeling that we have in the United States that say process in a factory. Well, what does that mean? Um, so it's going to give you some of that protection against those to where a small quantity of, of peanut protein really shouldn't cause a reaction in you. Um, now, again, remember, you're still allergic, so the the chance of a reaction in oral immunotherapy is possible, um, but again, it, it's a much more controlled reaction versus, say, going into a restaurant and accidentally um, getting, you know, peanuts in your food when, you know, you're allergic. So there's a little bit of difference there, um, but again, a, again, the desensitization is to help so you just don't have such a significant reaction. So OIT has been around for a while in different forms, but I know that in January 2020, the FDA approved the first standardized OIT treatment, which is for peanut desensitization. But that's only two years ago, and Meg's daughter is nine. So was she then involved in like a trial? Drug development is really a 10-year process. Um, but when we're talking about oral immunotherapy, you know, it, it's it's using a food. So I, you know, there were some in the allergy community that were ready to take that dive into offering this treatment before there was an FDA approved product because we're using food as medicine. And um, so oral immunotherapy kind of started to to hit the, round, hit the ground running. That is by no way, shape or form a cure. So, you know, when we say food allergies still um, aren't curative, um, that is a true statement. Let's put that statement that OIT is not a cure into perspective. Meg explains it in the case of her daughter very well. The challenge with um, OIT being so new is there aren't any long-term studies out about the, the long-term efficacy. You know, the will it put them into some form of remission or will they always be allergic and they just have a little bit of a safeguard in their system? That's the information we still don't know. So even today, um, even though she has been desensitized to all of her allergens, she's still technically, we do a blood test every year, and she technically still tests allergic um, to all of her allergens. 
that that said, her numbers have dropped over the years a little bit, but they are still in allergic ranges. So I still manage them the way I did when, I guess, pre-OAT. In theory, you know, let's say she got really hot because she was outside this morning and then ate something that had nuts in it. In theory, is there a chance she could still have a reaction? Maybe. So keeping in mind that OIT is not a cure, and it was still in a trial process nine years ago, what exactly inspired Meg to pursue this as a form of treatment for her daughter? What was she feeling at the time? It made me very nervous because Palforzia, the peanut drug, so to speak, um, is on the market and officially FDA approved. But at the time, there wasn't um, necessarily a common practice of how you do OIT and what that looks like. And that did make me a little bit nervous. But the thing my husband and I kept thinking about was there's going to be some short-term risk for some long-term reward. Now, keep in mind that's calculated risk. You're under the care of your allergist. Um, The dosing is very calculated. It's very methodical in how you titrate up and how much you take and when and when you slow down. But of course, there is always some risk. I mean, there were a couple times where she got a few hives around her mouth. And of course, as a parent, after Having seen her have reactions, I panicked a little bit. But that's what I just, you know, every time we go, that's just what I would keep in mind is it's for the long-term reward. And I remember the first few months of OIT, I'd give her a dose and I'd literally sit there and stare at her for like an hour and a half. But, you know, looking back, I wouldn't change anything because it, it ended up being a great choice and process for our family. But again, every experience is going to be different and it's not always going to be the same experience for everybody else. My my internal goal in my head was I'd love to get her to kindergarten and be at a point where if she doesn't want to have to sit at a peanut-free table, she doesn't have to. That if she sits next to a kid eating peanut butter, that she won't eat it, but that she'd be okay being around it. And um, looking back, again, there's a lot of good and bad to the whole process, but eventually we did get to that point and she went to kindergarten and she did not have to sit at the, at the nut-free table. And so I feel like in that regard, we kind of reached our goal. A few weeks ago, my father-in-law took my daughter out for a treat and she got um, a chocolate chip cookie or she thought it was regular chocolate chip cookie and she bit into it. And because she eats macadamia nuts on a regular basis for her maintenance, she told her grandpa, hey, I think this has nuts in it. And they went and asked and sure enough, it did. Um, That's where OIT has been such a blessing for us because she threw it away, didn't eat any more, just kind of hung out for half an hour or so to make sure she didn't have any symptoms and nothing happened. Whereas, you know, if that had been seven years ago in our life, it would have been a much different scenario. And so um, that's one of those proof point examples where I have seen for us how it's been a huge benefit and blessing and it um, has really safeguarded her. After hearing that success story, oral immunotherapy certainly sounds good on paper, but what does the treatment actually entail? It's not just a once a year shot like you may get for environmental allergies. Meg's going to walk us through how it actually works. We started with peanut because peanut is the number one trigger of food-induced anaphylaxis. And so most often that one can get very serious very quickly if you have a reaction. Um, So we started with that. It was probably an eight-month process. And the way it worked is every week, I first started every two weeks, we go to our allergist and we started with the tiniest, most minute dose of peanut flour mixed into pudding. It was kind of her snack of choice. And then assuming that went well, she'd do that dose for a week or two. And then if every day that went well, the next week we'd go back in and titrate up to a little bit more and a little bit more. And it took probably eight months to get 
all the way through the peanut process to where she was on multiple solid peanuts every day. Um, but now I can say, you know, looking back, she's now, she eats several peanuts a day, even six years later with zero symptoms. Um, so it's been a blessing, but, you know, I will say there, there are definitely challenges. I mean, the, the time is a, is a huge factor of doing it every day and going to the allergist every week. Our allergist was not close to us. There's a cost factor that you also have to consider, whether that be um, an office level visit or it's now paying for the actual drug. So that's a consideration too, and just the stress. I mean, there's, there are so many factors. You have to, you know, it can be a great option for some, but it's not, not everyone's a candidate and it's not always the right choice for everybody. Meg's goal was to have her daughter be safe around other people eating nuts, but not necessarily be able to consume nuts herself. Jody, can you tell us what are some attainable goals for people choosing to start OIT? Is there any way patients can work their way up to freely eating their allergens? I will definitely say in the allergy community, you're, you're going to get a lot of different answers to that question. Um, if you are using the FDA-approved product, um, the goal of that is just protection. So um, your end goal is about 300 milligrams of peanut protein, which is equivalent to one large peanut. And um, that is going to protect you against those accidental exposures. There are some um, other oral immunotherapy protocols that obviously are, are not FDA approved, but they are using various foods. And, and OIT is available for um, multiple, multiple foods. Um, currently in my location, we primarily stick with, um, peanut immunotherapy, but, um, you know, you will find allergists that do all sorts of foods and, um, they may take you up to much, much higher doses on a daily basis so that the person may be able to more, uh, freely eat the food. Now, um, there is kind of a great debate about using those terms, free eating. Um, sometimes you may hear um, the term bite-proof. Um, and we're not, most allergy, most of the allergy community aren't a big fan of that bite-proof. Um, again, it, it's protection. Um, and, and so, you know, we say it's protection against accidental exposure. Now, the, the free eating um Again, there's great debate over that term as well. If you get to a high enough dose of on your daily maintenance, you may be able to eat additional doses of peanut during the day. However, um, when you're on immunotherapy, after you eat the food, there is um, what most people will say is kind of a, um, a, a rest period. Um, which is usually about two hours after you ingest the food. And, and that's your time that your body's digesting it. And so we really don't want people doing things that may speed up the digestion. Um, so like during that two hour period, you know, you're supposed to refrain from um, heavy activity, sports, um, hot showers, things that would raise your blood pressure, uh, your blood pressure, uh, your heart rate that in turn would maybe speed up some of that absorption that occurs during digestion. So even if you're eating extra doses during the day, you still have to take those precautions of kind of, um, being mindful of your activity, um, because we, you know, we don't want a reaction to occur. So yes, there are some that do, um, 
eat additional amounts of the food. Um, but for most people, the goal is, um, again, that kind of protection from accidental exposure. Once you start doing OIT, is it something you have to do forever? I, you know, I don't like the word forever. So I like to say right now it's indefinite. Um, right now, um, so, you know, when you're doing OIT, you, you do um, what they call the buildup phase. And usually that's every two weeks until you get to your maintenance or your highest dose. And then once you're on that maintenance dose, then you do dose once a day. Um, you know, again, because this isn't a cure, we don't have an end date um, per se, that you can stop this. Now, um, because it's been around long enough, we do see some people that do outgrow their allergy while on immunotherapy. Now, again, we don't call it a cure. We do not understand why those people get to that point. Um, and so I would like to say that in, in the coming years, um, as we figure out, you know, is, is there a, a what what's different about those people? Is it, is it something about the dosing? Is it something about um, their immune system? Is is there some sort of like marker in the blood that we could identify who may be those that um, this does benefit to the point where you know they're not allergic? Then you know there could be an endpoint. Um, but right now we do say indefinite and indefinitely. When I'm talking to families and we offer preschool OIT starting all the way down to age two. You know, for a two-year-old to sit there and say that you're going to, you know, tell the parents they're going to be on this for the rest of their lives, that's just not fair. So, you know, I say to them, once you start this, you are on this indefinitely. But again, in a two-year-old's lifetime, we'll have the next best thing. You know, there, there's always research is great in food allergy and, and we're going to keep advancing the science. So, um, hopefully that this is not a forever, but right now it's, you know, the best option we've, we've had since, you know, food allergies have, have been in existence. So it's exciting, um, that we can at least offer this a little bit of hope to people with OIT. With that indefinite amount of time in mind and the elements Meg mentioned earlier, what other factors should people consider before undergoing the OIT process? Oh, that's a great question because, you know, OIT is not for everybody. Um, it, it really is a lifestyle commitment. Um, and, you know, I, I would say the things that you need to think about is, um, you know, firstly, um, will your child eat the food? Um, again, we talk about it being in very small quantities, but if if it's going to be a battle every day, um, you know, that may not be something that you want to do. If if it's going to really be a struggle, uh, you know, I, I tell families, you know, don't do it. You know, growing it, raising children is hard enough, um, and, and sometimes maybe that's not the fight you want to have. You do need to think about, can you come in every two weeks for the updosing? So, um, you know, is it feasible that, you know, your child can come out of school, um, you know, for, you know, a couple hours every two weeks. And again, most people updosing uh, to get to maintenance is only about six months, but six months is, you know, three quarters of a school year. Um, can the parent come off of work? Um, you know, do you have the transportation to get to clinic? Um, you know, if, if it's a situation where you're going to have to take, you know, two, three buses just to get to the clinic, 
um, you know, that this could be a whole day adventure. So those are things you need to think about. You need to think about how active is your child. Um, you know, the kiddo that's playing competitive soccer, they travel every weekend for a tournament. They have practice, you know, four times a week. Is this something that you can do, especially since I mentioned you do have that kind of rest period? So, you know, again, does that fit into your lifestyle? And you have to make sure that everyone in the family is on board. Both legal guardians have to be in favor of doing this because, you know, if you have a child that splits time between two homes and one parent's willing to do it and the other one's not, you can't miss doses. Um, so, you know, if they're going to go spend time at, at, at another parent's house for a week and not dose for a week, then that's not going to work. So, you know, it's definitely a, a lot of logistical thoughts of, you know, do you have the time? Do you have the resources such as transportation to get to the clinic? Like I said, it, it's not for everybody. Um, for those that do it, I, I think uh, probably 99% of them will say they're very happy with their choice that they did it. But, you know, you you definitely have to think about it. And, and I always tell families when we discuss it, you know, unless you've done your research before you saw me, I want you to go home and really think about this, you know, make a pro con list, you know, do some research online. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want my first time bringing it up to be you saying yes. It's definitely something to think about. We have certainly given our listeners a lot to think about in this episode. And as we wrap up, I want to let Meg give us one more thing to consider. Until we get to a point where there's a cure for food allergy. In the meantime, the best we can do is develop management tools, ways to keep us safe, both um, physically safe, but also emotionally safe. So, you know, in my work at Allergy Amulet with the um, detection device that we've created where you can take a sample of your food and it'll tell you if your allergens present in your food, that's been the whole goal is like, you know, there is avoid your food and here are your emergency medicines if something happened. But there's so much life and living in the middle that can it, it can really take a toll on the quality of life of just wanting to be normal and go out to dinner with friends and go to restaurants. And so the more management tools that we can develop and implement in the meantime, I think the better quality of life that people are going to have. Everyone out there listening, definitely consider it. If you have questions, you know, reach out to your allergist. Um, again, like uh, Sophia mentioned, there were, we did an article in one of the um, Free From magazines. I don't remember the... It's our November 2020 issue, yeah, uh, which you can find on our website at foodequalityinitiative.org slash magazine. Yeah. But I'll link to it in the podcast description. So, um, and then you can always look at national allergy organizations, um, the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, and the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology both have great information for families as well. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jody. This has been really educational, and I hope that everyone listening has learned a lot and has a lot of things to consider. Perfect. Well, thank you for having me on today. And also, I'd like to say a thank you to Meg Noe from Allergy Amulet for sharing her and her daughter's personal story with OIT. Sponsored by Food Equality Initiative. I'm Sophia Gillespie, and this has been the Free From Podcast. Thank you for listening. 